We have been going through the book of Acts. And uh, this week we read Acts chapter 17 and 18. How many of you think JR can preach through two, two chapters of the Bible in 30 minutes? <laughs> Ain't happening. JR can't get through a paragraph of the Bible in a message. And that's okay. The Bible is full of good information, good teaching, good stories, stuff that's meant to encourage you and strengthen you. The Word of God says of itself that it is alive, that it's active, that it's sharp as that double-edged sword we heard about. It, it goes inside of us. It examines us. It does surgery on us. It separates us out internally. It does work. So when you're reading the Word of God, it's more than a story. There's a spiritual power of the Holy Spirit behind the Word of God that brings transformation into our lives. And so I'd encourage you, read it. Even if you get bored with it, still read it. Still think on it. Or if you're really bored with what you're reading or you don't understand what you're reading, you've got tons of resources at your disposal to go and, and, and look it up and say, what does this mean? What is this passage about? Why is it relevant to my life today. Good stuff. Well, I'm going to actually preach on a particular subject today that uh, we catch a little bit throughout really the whole book of Acts. Last week I was preaching out of chapter 16 and we didn't talk about the end of the chapter, but at the end of the chapter um, they, they cast this spirit out of this girl and this, this uh, spirit of divination, this fortune telling or speaking to the dead kind of a spirit out of this girl, and her owners get really upset about it, and they're, they cause trouble, and Paul and Silas are then beaten with rods. How many of you have been beaten with a rod? Not by your old man, but public punishment, like caning. Uh, they, they did serious beatings. So that night when Paul and Silas are sitting in the jail, it's midnight, and they're singing, they're praying, and they're singing songs. Now, you, you know, the jailer's asleep, other prisoners are listening to him, and I'm thinking, why are they up at midnight singing and praying? I'm guessing they couldn't sleep. There's so much pain from a beating like that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if in an unauthorized and a illegal way, the police showed up today and drug me outside and took my shirt off and beat me? How would you feel about that? That would be upsetting. These guys experienced very dramatic situations. And then we go on into chapters 17 and 18, and I want you to just try and empathize with Paul a little bit as I draw your attention to several of these verses. We see this repeated all throughout Paul's life, and it's no different in Acts chapter 17 and 18. He goes to Thessalonica in verse 5 of chapter 17, and what happens? There's a mob, there's an uproar. Everyone's unhappy with him. He has to flee the city of Thessalonica. I mean, he doesn't probably, probably still has scabs all over his back from his beating before. He doesn't want another one. So what happens? In verse 5 in Thessalonica, there's a mob. He's hated. He has to flee. He goes to, the, to Berea, to the Bereans we see in verse 13. Do we have these verses? There we go. And so the Bereans, we learn immediately, they, they, they're good people, they're noble people, they're studying the word of God. Maybe you've heard the saying, be like a Berean. 
That's where this, this is where that comes from, that you would study the word of God, that you know the scriptures. But then the Jews from Thessalonica come over and they start doing what? They start agitating the crowd. They start stirring people up. And Paul has to flee again. Then he goes to Athens. Athens is an amazing city. I had a chance to visit And Paul is at Athens, and he gets the opportunity to debate with the philosophers, and then he gets an opportunity to preach the gospel. It's an amazing story. It's amazing his choices about how to do this that we don't have time to get into today. But what happens when he starts talking about the resurrection of the dead? He's mocked. Have you ever been run out of a town and then run out of another town after being beaten in a town and then mocked in another town? Paul's life is not fun. He's suffering. He's suffering terribly. What does that rejection feel like? What does that frustration feel like? To be trying to accomplish something, and he is, but he's also being reviled. In Corinth, that's the word they used. He was opposed and he was reviled. He spent a year and a half in Corinth. It says in verse 6 that they were mocking him. Verse 6 of uh, chapter 18. There we go. And when they opposed and reviled him, what's it like to be reviled? You you know what it's like to be opposed. You probably have some sense of what it's like to be reviled. How many of you want to be a Christian? (laughs) Wow. This is tough. This is hard. It's not always fun and games. We have it really good in the place that we live. For sure, we should be thankful. Then in verse 12, it says there's a united attack by the Jews. Again, constant oppression. He's being drugged before the tribunal. It goes on to say in the next verse, later in the story, that they drag Sosthenes out and they beat him. So one of Paul's friends gets beaten. But Gallio doesn't care. My point is this. Paul was a good guy. Paul is arguably one of the most productive characters we've ever seen. He may actually be the most productive Christian I've ever heard of. I don't know what the other apostles did. I know there's been a lot of productive people in history, but I'm not sure there's anybody that's been more productive and done more good for the body of Christ than Paul. So if Paul is doing all of these great works, this amazing work for God, how come God isn't making it easy for him? How come he's suffering? How come he's being beaten and reviled and eventually his head is removed from his body? He's executed. Does that sound sound like the blessed Christian life? The Bible is very, very clear that we suffer. And it talks a lot about the idea of suffering, so much so that there's no way we're going to be able to get into it all today. But I want to talk about it because there's a lot of thinking that creeps in about what Christianity is. And there's, there's even movements within Christianity that suggest that if you're suffering, something must be wrong with you. You don't have enough faith. And I, I just want to, I can't think of the right word, I want to decidedly, firmly refute any of that kind of thinking because it's wrong. 
We want to look at what the Bible teaches us about suffering. If God, if Jesus suffered and died on the cross, and Jesus' apostles suffered and died for what they believed, and when they went about their lives spreading this gospel, they suffered, we also can expect likewise. Why do good people suffer? This is an age-old question and issue. If God is all-powerful and all-loving, why then does mankind experience pain and suffering? I want to start out by establishing something about creation. I think I, I, I never get tired of the creation story. I always feel like I'm learning more and more about it because we, we look at the creation and it helps us understand who we are and why we're here. Anybody wonder why they're alive? I have an answer for you. To be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue the earth and to rule over it. The Bible is very, very clear what mankind's purpose is. We're the image of God in his creation. He made the world, and then he made Eden and in this garden, this perfect place, and he put man there, man and woman, he created them, and he gave them instructions. He, take this, really in a sense, take this presence of God, garden of Eden thing, and take it all over the world. Subdue the earth, multiply, rule over it. But mankind, we get into this conversation about our will, free will. Does man really have free will? God is a free being. He, he makes his own choices. And when we're made in his image, we also then are given the power of choice. How many of you have ever received an insincere apology? Go tell your sister I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If, if we are robots and we can't make, dis, we, we're just forced into every single thing that we do, then nothing is authentic. God wants authentic love from his children. And therefore, we have the power of choice. We are stewards. We were given an authority and a job while we're here on earth to reflect him in this creation. But mankind, the entire time, has rebelled. And when man rebelled, sin entered. And with sin came Death. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. 1 Corinthians 15.21 and 22. For as by a man came death, by a man has, also, has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The, I want to start with this, this basic idea that the world is in a condition of suffering because it's gone its own route. It did not stay in line, alignment with God's design. Sin is misalignment. By definition, it's out of alignment. So when creation goes out of alignment, it gets out of that space of perfection and begins to experience suffering because it's not operating the way it was supposed to. My dad just had his knee replaced because it wasn't op op operating in the way it was supposed to. And when the knee doesn't operate the way it's supposed to, pretty soon you're walking like this or something, then your back doesn't work, then all your joints hurt. Right? Right, Dad? Wherever you're at. Yeah, when, when something starts operating in a way it's not supposed to, we begin to suffer. Creation is that way. Creation is broken. 
So much here we could talk about, about sin and the choice of man and the introduction of suffering. It's like when you watch your kid do something, hey, I've told you a hundred times not to do that, I'm just going to let you do it now and see what happens. God gave you the power to choose. We can't be mad at him when things aren't going very well because of our choices. So there's a number of ways we're going to unpack this. I want to mention something else too before we continue on. Ezekiel 33:11 says this. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Does God celebrate when the wicked perish? He does not. In fact, he's grieved that mankind has rebelled against what he has instructed them to do. And in doing so then, suffers. But that the wicked turn from his way and live. God wants people to live. But he needs them to turn from their wicked way. There's a choice man has to make about bringing himself into alignment. My point, I really want to be clear because a lot of people may be struggling with this this morning. God is not delighting in your suffering. Sometimes I've felt that way about God. Like he's up there, you know, like there are minor things that your kid will do when they're little that you just let them do and let them deal with the consequences, right? It's really not that big of a deal and you might kind of chuckle about it. I suppose God does a little of that. But God does not delight in your suffering. He doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't revel in it. I think if you come back around and you learn lessons from your suffering, then God might be like, okay. But God does not delight in your suffering. He does not delight in sin. He does not delight in the brokenness of mankind. That's not his character. I think some of you need to hear this today. The character of God is love. He loves you. It's why you have a choice in the first place. He loves you. Suffering is not punishment or an indicator that something is wrong with you. This has really found its way into our thinking at times. The Jews really struggled with this and, you know, like asking Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Or, or Job, when all this stuff is happening to him, they're going, you must have done something wrong. And Job's like, I didn't do anything wrong. And there's a whole, whole story there. So suffering is not punishment necessarily or an indicator that something is wrong with you. Because sometimes we are suffering. I mean, if you've, if you've ever known someone or you yourself have gotten cancer or something like that, and you go, what did I do to deserve this? Did I screw something up along the way so bad that you cursed me with this cancer? These are difficult questions and very difficult thoughts. And we're dealing with a world without hope. Do we have an answer for hope? An answer of hope for a broken world? Suffering is the result of wrong in the world for sure. Why do we have disease in the world like cancer? Things like that. Because the world is broken by death. By getting out of alignment with God, by rebelling against God and going our own way. Do you realize this? You know, we talk about uh, the devil or Satan or however you want to refer to him as a fallen angel. He's fallen from glory. He's fallen from his original design and intent and he's rebelled against God. You're a fallen being as well. Did you know that? We are also a fallen race. 
a fallen part of creation, a proud created being that rebelled against its maker and still rebels every day. You and I make that choice to rebel frequently. And in doing so, we then bring suffering upon ourselves as the natural consequences of our own decision, whether directly or indirectly. There are things like disease and death that they're just going to be a part of this broken design. It's broken. It happens. My point is this. God doesn't sit there and keep this mathematical equation of all the wrong you've done and then give you some disease or something based on that. It doesn't always work that way. I want to encourage you. Sometimes it just is because creation's broken. We deal with some of these things. Now, the, the opposite can be true. We bring a lot of suffering on ourselves, okay? If, I, if I'm stuffing my lip with Copenhagen all my life, what's going to happen? Uh, we were just talking about this, Janie and I, the other day. It was one of our pre-marriage requisites. I had to quit chewing Copenhagen. What happens? Smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, what happens? Drink a bunch of alcohol every night, what's going to happen? You're going to pay the price. There's going to be consequences for our decisions. When you're mean to people, when you're rude, when you're whatever it is you are that's negative in this world, it does, it does bring suffering back on you. There are natural consequences in which we bring suffering on ourselves. But we have to be careful that we don't equate that then that every, if I'm good all the time, it's ne- nothing's ever going to go wrong. Try telling Paul that. Paul is one of the, one of the best people. I, he's like one of the best people I ever, I don't know, but I heard of. How's that? <laughs> I almost feel like I'm friends with Paul. I've read so much about him. Paul didn't deserve the things he got. In one sense, he did. We all deserve death. Because of sin, we all deserve. Now, that's hard for us in our re- when we consider our world in a relative way. We go, but I'm a good guy. I don't deserve to die. We are a race that joined Satan in his rebellion. The consequence of that is death, period. That's a hard reality that we have to wrestle with. But it's just true. Who will save me from this body of death? Praise be to God for Jesus Christ, our Lord. God saw the brokenness. He, yes, God knew all these things. God saw that it was going to happen. And people will implicate him as being evil because he foresaw it and still created it. But God saw that the long-term benefit of creating us was more worth it to him than not creating us at all. I just heard, heard an author say that this week. Blew my mind. God foresaw that even though there would be consequences with creating us, he saw it more beneficial to do so than to spend eternity without us. That, that just rocked me. It is a difficult issue. It's hard to understand. But we have to wrestle with it. First Peter chapter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. Would you describe any of the trials of your life as Fiery. Had a few of those. Oof. Hard, difficult, just hopeless. Don't be surprised. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Rejoice. I'm I'm suffering in extreme ways, and you want me to rejoice? But what does it say? 
when his glory is revealed, there's a bigger picture. There's an end. When we talk about creation being broken and we talk about the suffering that's going on, keep in mind it's not the complete story. This is a temporary condition. Now, it doesn't feel temporary because it's your whole lifetime. But in the big story, it's temporary. God has made a fix. Jesus didn't die on the cross just so you could go to heaven. In fact, I would say that's probably a, a secondary result. Jesus died on the cross to make new creation, to create a new creation in the end, to reconcile all of this brokenness as a whole and return man to his original state as the image bearer in God's creation. And a part of that is that you and I get to join him in glory, that we are saved. And it's a great thing. I want to share a video with you of suffering. This is not a quality video. It looks like it was kind of snuck in with a phone. Um, we, have a, we have church connections and a relationship in the nation of Pakistan, both through Regions Beyond and Issachar Ministries. If you've been around a while, you know who those guys are. And this has been going on in recent weeks. If you follow Voice of the Martyrs or anything like that, these are people we know. These are people we can, we're connected with. Can we show that video? This is a church. And they're rioting outside. Let's show it one more time. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of those people. See those people standing in the door there? For those of you online that aren't going to be able to see this, um, this is a church being destroyed with stones in a city in Pakistan a couple weeks ago. And what they've been doing is they've been going around burning down the houses of the Christians. These are people we know. People we're connected with. Shirt tail relatives of ours. Paul Simpson's working with these people directly. Regions Beyond and Steve Aller is working with these people directly. And this is what they're experiencing right now where they live. Play it one more time, would you please? Look at the people down in the front holding their hands up. Stop, stop. This is the world they live in. Their homes are being destroyed. They're suffering. This is their reality. There's a mob. What happens is the radical Islamists will kind of get, get it going, and then you suddenly are reminded of Paul's stories. Some, a few people come along and stir up a mob, and then the mob does damage. These guys are homeless. The churches that we are affiliated with in Pakistan are trying to find houses and take these people in. By the way, Paul, we, it's impossible almost to send money from the United States to Pakistan for understandable reasons. But in South Africa, it's easy to do. So we're going to be taking up an offering to send to Issachar Alliance, and it goes right into people we know's hands in Pakistan to help take care of some of these people that are homeless. So if God stirs your heart to help these people in their suffering, then you, you can give here at the church and mark that for Pakistan. And we'll make sure those funds get over there right away. We're actually wanting to do that very quickly. So please consider doing that. This is the world they live in. We want to help alleviate some of their suffering. Suffering's never good. Even though suffering gets used for good, suffering in and of itself is never good. It's a result of sin. Though God uses it for our good because God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, right? So God will use suffering in our lives. I'll get to that in just a moment. I'm going to go over just by a few minutes here today. Isaiah chapter 
Yeah, Johnny, I'm going to skip down to Isaiah 48. No, 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 I'm not. Let's go back. Luke chapter 21. You will be hated. Hated. Sign me up. That's what I want. I want to be hated. That's the wrong verse. You will be... (laughs) Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. I did not plan on that being in there. I just asked for an offering, but I did not plan on that verse. <laughs> that must be a typo for Nick. I said, I said uh, Luke 21, 17 through 19, not 1 through 9. All right, but I'm going to read it to you and listen to what I say. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair on your head will perish doesn't mean perish like die in this life. There's a much bigger death than the one in this life. It's an eternal death. You, not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. The Bible is emphatic that you and I endure to the end. You know, when we read the book of Revelation, again, it goes against this mentality that I just need to get my passport to heaven stamped and then I'm good to go to the rest of my life. That's not what the Bible teaches. You are called to a mission and in that mission you will suffer. And as you suffer, you are called to endure. And in that endurance, you will find your life. So much to this. It's awesome. But it's hard. God has called us to endure. Isaiah 48 Verses 9 through 11. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. See, God is justified in being angry at us. He's justified in destroying the world and flooding the world. He's, he's just in doing so. That's really hard. That's hard. That's hard stuff. And for the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you that I may not cut you off. Okay, so he's saying, I could do this, but here's what I'm doing. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in a furnace of affliction. Just like Jesus walked through suffering, Hebrews says that he was actually trained by it, that he was made perfect by it. Just like these guys walk through suffering, you and I also are being made perfect through suffering. We learn obedience through suffering. Suffering is not good, but it's used for our good. I'm going to skip down to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. And speaking of Jesus, it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Perfect through suffering. Hebrews 5, 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. How many of you have learned to obey, learned to obey your parents, learned to obey, obey your boss, learned to obey God through obedience? When we get off the path, how many of you know what an electric fence is? Okay, why is that there? You go try getting through the electric fence. Now, I'm not a cow. I'm a little smarter than that. I suspect there's electricity running through that barrier. But it's there because it shocks me and goes, get back in line. You're out of alignment. Definitely don't pee on it. (laughs) It's a boundary. And when you get out of that boundary, you suffer. There are lots of examples like that that we could use. What about a radio dial? It's like this. I'm traveling along and my radio's coming in good. I mean, they used to have dials. They don't really have dials anymore, do they? 
And it gets staticky and, and you adjust. And your life's like that. When, when we begin, when we're getting off track, God uses suffering to discipline us. Suffering's like static. We start getting out of alignment. We start getting off the frequency and all of a sudden it starts great on you. And you're like, wait a minute, what is God showing me here? What is God trying to teach me here? My marriage is in a mess and we're fighting every day and everything's going wrong. It's static. How do I bring things back into alignment with God? He's using that suffering to push me to a place of obedience. And what happens when I obey? And I actually humble myself and I actually be nice to my wife. And I actually lay down some of my expectations. All of a sudden life starts going better. Isn't it amazing? God is disciplining us into alignment with him. And we have an eternity in front of us. Looking forward to our time with God. I want to read from C.S. Lewis's The Problem of Pain. C.S. Lewis is one of those guys, you got to read it three or four times to get it. So I'm just going to read it, and then you can go look it up later. (laughs) Here's C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain. He's just talking about a situation where he's had two days of just angst. There's news of war, there's news of issues, and he's panicking, he's suffering internally. He's had like 48 hours here, Uh, where things are going badly and then they start going good again. He says this, Thus the terrible necessity of tribulation is only too clear. God has had me for but 48 hours and then only by dint of taking everything else away from me. So he's saying, God got my attention for only 48 hours by taking everything away from me for a while. I'm really worried and worked up about this situation. I have to translate C.S. Lewis, I guess. Guy's brilliant. Let him but sheath that sword for a moment and I behave like a puppy when the hated bath is over. I shake myself as dry as I can and race off to reacquire my comfortable dirtiness. If not in the nearest manure heap, at least in the nearest flower bed. And that is why tribulations cannot cease until God either sees us remade or sees that our remaking is now hopeless. How many of you have done this with a dog? Pretty much all of us. And we do it. God got our attention through trials and tribulations. Distracted us from our toys. And he took care of some things he needed to take care of. But man, we want to get out of that suffering and run right back to what we were doing. All the while realizing God is trying to teach us something. Now you're never going to teach your dog that a bath is a good idea. But hopefully we learn from the suffering that God brings into our lives. God disciplines those he loves. Hebrews 12, 6. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. There's a positive result possible for suffering. There's also another choice you could make when suffering is getting bitter, angry, hateful, reclusive. Suffering will drive you that way too. And we sink more and more and more into who God did not design us to be. He wants to draw us close. And sometimes that's painful. For, the mo- for at the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Lord, help us be trained by it. I want that peaceful fruit. I want a peaceful life. I need to respond when there's pain. It may not be my fault. May just be the broken creation wreaking havoc in my life. 
God, help me learn to be at peace with you no matter how bad the suffering gets. Paul seemed to be there. He had a thorn in his flesh. He had trouble. I'm sure he was frustrated at times. But he endured great things and drew closer to God and was entrusted with more as he went. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction. Would you call Paul's plight light momentary affliction? Beaten with rods? We're going to see next week that he is stoned. I think it's next week. In the city of Ephesus, he's stoned. And they drag him out of the city thinking he's dead. So how stoned was he? Don't make any jokes. (laughs) He's obviously unconscious. They think he's dead. Light, momentary affliction? Are you joking? Is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What we are going to experience in the new creation that Jesus died on the cross for is beyond something you can compare it to now. This, Paul says, this is light, momentary affliction compared with how amazing it's going to be. Be encouraged this morning. If you are suffering, lean into God. Wrestle for that peace with God. And if God's disciplining you, do what he says. Get in alignment. Knock off the sin. Leave the addictions behind. Change your attitude. Change your thought process. Change the way you're communicating with people. That's not legalistic. That's life to you to do those things. God wants you in alignment with him. That's where the blessing is. There's no blessing running your own direction. There's blessing when we line up with him and be who he made us to be, his imagers in this world. I wonder, would you stand please? I know some of you shut your brains off when I make you stand. Just stick with me. I just don't want you to fall asleep. Maybe we should start to implement some of that. Sit down, stand up. No? No? Okay. I have one more uh, passage to read from you out of C.S. Lewis's Problem with Pain, which I highly recommend when wrestling with this kind of a issue. The Christian doctrine of suffering explains, I believe, a very curious fact about the world we live in. The settled happiness and security which we all desire, God withholds from us by the very nature of the world. But joy, pleasure, and merriment, he has scattered broadcast. We are never safe, but we have plenty of fun and some ecstasy. It's not hard to see why. The security we crave would teach us to rest our hearts in this world and oppose an obstacle to our return to God. A few moments of happy love, a landscape, a symphony, a merry meeting with our friends. I'm guessing that's bath. And a bath or football match have no such tendency. Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends, but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. Such good perspective there, you guys, about suffering and about life. We do have moments of relief Hey, we're spoiled in the place we live. We, have, we get to enjoy these pleasures, but God does not want us to get distracted and misunderstand. 
This is not our home. There's something so much greater that awaits. Endure to the end, the Bible encourages us, even when it costs us our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your powerful word, your powerful teaching. God, I just, man, I'm just blown away by your love for us. There's so many mysteries in you, but if we keep seeking and we keep digging, we find more and more truth and life in your word. I'm just blessed, Lord, I'm thankful. God, I pray for those that are suffering today. If you are suffering today, I want to encourage you to come forward after the service and get prayer, whether it's from me. Hey, if 50 of you come forward, we'll get elders, we'll get prayer team, whatever we got to do. If you are suffering, come receive prayer. Suffering is not good, but God does use it. So we want to pray for you if you're really suffering and wrestling with God and even getting angry at God over your suffering. That's real. We don't get it sometimes. We don't understand. Lord, we don't. You are beyond us. Your ways are not our ways. We acknowledge that. So Lord, we submit to you now, God, and just ask that the power of your spirit would be with us, causing transformation, causing us to get our radio frequency dialed in in alignment with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Prayer team over here to my left. I'll be up here in the front. You guys have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.